When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What a journey and what a moment. A goal puts them in front, a behind ties it up. Ryan Marich has kicked one, biggest kick in his life. He has kicked two. The Eagles are in front. It's the most unbelievable and unlikely story. Ryan Marich, they are stunned here at Docklands. Yes, Ryan Marrick put West Coast in front with less than two minutes to go. They couldn't hold on, but a very credible performance against the Bombers who needed to win to keep their top eight finals alive. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. Don't forget to shop winter at TKD. Joining us to talk about West Coast, Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian wrote a good column today on Tommy Barris. We'll get to that a bit later in the interview. But Craig, I get the feeling that the worst is behind West Coast now. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can see the development that has come throughout the year with some of their kids, and you can certainly see that um, now they've got some senior players back. Like you look, you look at that team on the weekend had Darling and Gaff, Cripps, Yo, McGovern, Duggan, Hunt, Kelly, Witherden, and they're all hundred game players. Um, they'll get Hearn back this week for the Derby. They'll get Shuey back by the end of the year as well. And you can just see that when you put experienced players out there, then it, it just changes everything, and it, it allows. The younger guys to have someone around them to say, hey, just calm down. We can still do these sorts of things. It doesn't matter if we're down by 30 points or not. We can work our way back into the game slowly rather than them all dropping heads, looking at each other and saying, oh, my God, what are we doing? And suddenly it's 80 points in the, in the click of a couple of fingers. No, you're exactly right. And it's important to remember that while the, the younger players played their roles on the weekend, the core of it was the senior players, wasn't it? Kelly and Duggan in the midfield. Yo was massive at the back end uh, late in the game won some contests that, you know, you would have thought he was going to do well to halve when the ball went in there. Um, so uh, they do make a huge difference. Hey, um, we've had some texts coming through from West Coast fans not happy with the umpiring in the game on the weekend. 20 to 12 was the free kick count. There was a non-payment of a free to Noah Long late in the game. What did you make of it? You are a whistleblower? Yeah, it's fair to say that, it was, that if West Coast have had a struggling year while they're in rebuilding, the umpiring department had been rebuilding as well, and there were two guys of the four out there on the weekend who had done less than 10 games. Um, and the errors that you saw on the weekend were from those guys. So um, there was a, there was a non-free kick paid um, during the match as well, which uh, which Essen eventually received, which was paid by Jeff Delglish, who was 80 metres away, um, and was the, was the third umpire um, from the play, and he was the most experienced guy out in the ground, and the two young guys and missed it. Um, so, yeah, there were some, some, some bad mistakes. The final ball up... Um, that was basically thrown directly into Nick Hines' hands over the top of the Ruckman was by the young umpire as well. So, yeah, if, if when you look at the four people that they put out there, it looked a bit like West Coast season itself with the team they've been putting out there from a rebuilding perspective, and I thought their performance showed it. Um, Jack Petricelli, there's been some comments about him and his role through the midfield, and while he didn't have a lot of touches, he had impact on the game. What did you make of his, his effort? 
I like what they're trying to do with him. Uh, he, he's been so inconsistent uh, for so long playing that half-forward role, and it's a hard position to play where you don't see a lot of the footy. They've tried to get him into the centre square a little bit more, although that didn't happen on the weekend, but there's been times where they've put him in there. And when he gets the ball, he, he can be damaging. So he, he's the type of player who doesn't need a lot of footy to be able to have a, a significant impact for them, and they don't have a lot of runners in, in that team um, over time. So I like the fact that he hasn't been able to establish himself as an important part of the 22 yet, but they're moving him into different positions to see if they can find a different way to play him. And I think when he gets the ball now, he's doing more with it, which I think is a real positive for them. Some questions as to whether Dom Sheed and Andrew Gaff can exist in the same midfield cod. There was only one of them out there on the weekend. Um, the team played well. Andrew Gaff was a solid um, contributor again on the weekend. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Speed is massive in modern footy. Is both of them on the one field, one slow guy too many? I think Sheed's still important to, to be in the actual centre square because Gaff does, doesn't go into the centre square ever. So, and he certainly didn't get a centre square um, um, bounce on the, on the weekend. So when they're looking at Tim, on the weekend, it was mainly Tim Kelly, Duggan, Elijah Hewitt, Luke Edwards, and, and Xavier O'Neill. So if you take Xavier O'Neill out and put Dom Sheed in, it's a better it's a better team regardless. If you put Luke, take Luke Edwards out and put Dom Sheed in, it's a better centre square regardless as well and a better team also. So if you look at what Sheed is replacing in that centre square, I think having Gaff and Sheed in the team makes far more sense than not um, because if you're not going to put Gaff in the middle, then you need to have Sheed in the middle. And, and I think whilst they're both slow uh, and don't break the lines, the other two guys aren't necessarily going to give you what you're looking for from a Dom Sheed when you put him in the middle. I really like... Ryan Marrick, I think as mid-season rookie pickups goes, he's a really good one. There's no, there's no um, surprises as to why most people had him as the number one pick in that draft. He doesn't need a lot of touches to impact the game, and that was the case on the weekend. What do you make of him? Yeah, he, he does a lot right, doesn't he? It, we didn't know what we were going to get from him when he came over because he's so inexperienced and, and so raw. But what he does do is kick goals. Like when he gets the opportunity, he doesn't miss. The, the, the shot that he uh, kicked to, to put him in front the other day was uh, a lot of guys missed that that, that shot. And he's now kicked you know, eight goals, two for the year. So he's not the sort of bloke who you get the ball in his hands and you say, oh, where's this going to head? You know that he's going to kick goals. And Jack Darling's an extremely accurate set shot for goal as well. So if you've got those two in your forward line, then you know that more often than not, they're not going to touch it a hell of a lot. They're not going to get too many shots in the game, but they're going to kick most of their goals. So uh, that's really important for any forward line. Uh, Oscar Allen's kick, what's he kick? 40, 44, 45 goals for the year um, and doesn't miss a lot often either. So um, I think when you have those three together, it can take the pressure off from a, oh, are they going to kick it? Aren't they going to kick it? So I think Marrick's been a real fine for them. Uh, text from Noddy on the temperate bedshed text line. He won't be selected because of the Eagles season, but Tim Kelly should be thought of in all Australian calculations. Remarkable what he has done this year. Your thoughts? He was very good on the weekend. Again, Craig, what do you think in terms of all Australian? He's carried them on their back. There's no doubt about that. But I think it's such a deep midfield for the All-Australian um, team. It's so hard to get into that that I think when push comes to shove, you're looking at guys who have uh, got their team into finals, put them into the top four, top two, all that sort of stuff. And there's a hell of a lot of talent to try to squeeze 
out of there. So, I mean, he's going to uh, have a battle to probably get into I mean, He might make the squad. Uh, he's certainly not going to make the team. Uh, he'll, he'll win the BNF. Um, and, and he's just shown this year that you know, this is why they recruited him. And he, he's I think the most important thing for Tim Kelly and West Coast is that it's very easy for a high-profile recruit in a team that's going badly to not necessarily do what we've expected of him over the years, but he's played well in, in a losing team. And I think we, we saw what he could do in Geelong in, in a really good team. Now he's enhanced his reputation by doing it in the poor team. Um, Jaden Hunt's been pretty good too, hasn't he? Um, we had a, a couple of text messages saying how well he's played and he was good again on the weekend. Yeah, he was really good on the weekend. And he gives him that dash we talked about with Petrocelli before that they don't have a lot of guys who do that. And there's been times this year where by pure necessity they've had to play him as a tall defender at different points or, or deep in the back line as they've been running out of players. But when you put him in his natural position where he can just run with the footy and, and just create... Um, the ball, the ball just moves at so much more speed, and we know that the forwards love that, don't they? You can get the ball inside pretty quickly. I don't reckon there'd be too many forwards who'd be thinking, "I wonder what Jaden Hunt's going to do when he gets the ball in his hands." He's going to run, and he's going to kick it long, and he's going to give you a chance. And he's so simple to to read like that, and you know he's going to, exactly what he's going to do. So I think their forwards really enjoy having him with the ball. You wrote a good column today in the West Australian about Tom Barris. Um, obviously, West Coast had issues in the second quarter. They couldn't get a handle on Kyle Langford. I think Josh Rotham started on him. Uh, he kicked two on Josh. Uh, then Elliot Yeo went to him. He kicked two on Elliot Yeo as well. Tell us why you think Tom Barris has to stay. Because if Tom Barris doesn't stay, then they're turning to Elliot Yo and Josh Rotham again next year, or Rhett Bazo, who's 19 and has barely even you know, put his toes in the water of AFL footy yet. Huh? They've consistently conceded big amounts of goals to opposition key forwards this year, or marking forwards, if you want to call Kyle Langford that. And it's week in, week out. So Taylor Walker, you know, nine, and Charlie Curnow, nine, and then 10. And length on the weekend was five. Nick Larkey in round one was six. And you can just keep going through. There's fours, there's fives everywhere. So as much as it can be exciting to say, oh, if we, if we trade Tom Barris to Sydney and they give us their first-round pick and maybe a first-round pick next year, then we can turn that into something. Well, your back line is going to be absolutely vulnerable every single time the ball goes in there next year. And, and if Jeremy McGovern gets injured uh, next season, suddenly it's even more vulnerable. So I just don't think the risk versus reward element of letting a go a player like Barris is worth it. There's other players who maybe they can start looking at from a trade perspective who might have currency here or there. He's their big one. From a, you know, what can you get a first-round draft pick for? But I don't think getting a first-round draft pick for Tom Barris is going to make the back line in any way better or stable next year. So um, it's, it's a real danger for them if he goes. I'd be doing everything possible to make sure that he's still on the list next year, regardless of what the trade is. You mentioned Shannon Hearn gets up for the Derby this week. What about Luke Shuey? What are his chances? I'll be really intrigued to see what they do with Shuey because it'll hit the 21-day the mark on the dot for a hamstring. So uh, is it worth putting Luke Shuey out there in a Derby knowing his injury history and if he pings it, he doesn't play in Shannon Hearn's last game. And I think it's important from a club perspective that Shannon Hearn and Luke Shuey are out there in that last game of the season. Uh, it'll be a big farewell for Hearn. It could be the last game for Shuey at that point as well. And you do, do not want Luke Shuey's uh, last uh, moment in footy to be what we saw with Buddy Franklin, but we're sitting on the bench with, a, with an injury because he's come back one week too early just to get ready for a derby. So I'd be uh, going down the conservative part, 
with uh, Shuey. His injury history says he's likely to ping something again. Give him one more week, maybe two more weeks, so he doesn't have to go to um, on, a, on a plane or play on the hard surface of Docklands the week after and just make sure that he's right for the end of the year. If you're the West Coast list manager, does Luke Shuey go on or does he get told to retire? I'm telling Luke Shuey he, has to, he needs to retire because he's, he's, his body is too much of a risk. You, you can't rely on him getting through a game. He doesn't know if he'll get through a game anymore. He's going to be going into preseason worrying if he's going to ping something. He's going to certain games worrying he's going to ping something. And if you're not sure that you're going to get you know, more than half the games of the season out of him, then it's a real concern. And they, as, as good a player he, as he is when he's fit and as good a leader as he is, they can't be going into seasons now with carrying so many players who have an injury history. So I think, unfortunately for Luke, uh, that last hamstring was enough to say, nah, the body is now saying, I'm done. And I think that will be the case for him at the end of the year. Now, you're mighty fighting bombers, mate. They're getting a bit wonky. What's going on there? Do you think they play finals? No, I don't think we play finals. Uh, I said to my son before the game, he was all up and about, I said, we're a chance to lose this one. <laughs> like, we're a genuine chance to lose. I've seen it happen so many times. In the last decade, and have lost 30% of their games against bottom four teams. Uh, beat West Coast by a point this year and North Melbourne by six points and lost to Freo. So uh, Essendon aren't a finals team. Uh, they've, they've had a draw that it's allowed them to play West Coast and North twice. Um, so that's helped them a bit. But no, there's, there's far better teams in the comp at the moment. And I think Essendon are sitting on the ladder exactly where they deserve to be, which is just outside the eight. Um, they don't need to play finals and lose another final and have everyone reminding us that they haven't won a final since 2004. Is that Twitter account still going, is it? Days since uh, SNL? Uh, I'm assuming it is. I don't know how many days it is, but it's <laughs> He bought himself a beer last week, uh, last year, because it had been 18 years. He, he decided he was of age. Um, hey, um, who wins the derby this week? I think Freo win it. Uh, those, their, their best is clearly better than West Coast, but their, their worst is, is just frustrating to watch. Uh, but what I have loved from, from Fremantle is they've tried a few things in, in recent weeks. The Hayden Young move into the middle has been fantastic. Uh, we, we, they just gives them that kick that they, that they desperately need going inside 50. They're moving the ball quicker, which allows blokes like Frederick to just to run with the ball and, and, and be creative. Luke Jackson's been outstanding in the, has the sole Ruckman and West Coast have got issues with whether or not Bailey Williams will play after being offered that one match suspension for engaging in rough conduct. So if he doesn't play, Luke Jackson will have a field day. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, Fremantle have got too many weapons at the moment to, uh, for West Coast to challenge, and I think uh, the, the Dockers will win that game. Craig, always a pleasure to talk to you. You can catch up with Craig's stuff in the West Australian, as always. Thanks for joining us on the show. No worries. Have a good day. Craig O'Donoghue, uh, fantastic rider for the West Australian, great basketball rider as well as a great footy rider. We are, as, as always, we are brought to you by Isuzu Ute. You can live your own way in the Isuzu D-Max, and we'll be back to close up the show after the break.